Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup. I'm Susan Littlefield. I'm actually on location. I'm going to hand my camera just a moment because I know it was snowing at home over the weekend or this past week. And uh, I'm in Carlsbad, California. U.S. Meat Export Federation has been hosting their meeting. Here are some great topics that have been kind of looked at when it comes to what's been happening on export standpoint and more importantly the tie back that the grains have and we're going to take a look at a variety of different things including china this week it may be small but this little bean fuels a lot of power it powers a food industry as a top source of protein it's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions it powers a state economy and bottom lines and it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. As you can see, Jim McCormick and Brian Split join us. They are with agmarket.net, and they're going to explain what's going on with that one unique buy that came from China. And gentlemen, a great week to see some grains uh, finishing uh, to the positive like they did on a Friday. No doubt about it. I mean, especially when you look at where we began the week, we had a crop report out early in the week that the bean crop did get a little bit smaller, Susan, but the carryout did grow. So you saw the carryout got bigger. The corn number for the most part really wasn't regionally bullish. It was very close to what the trade is expecting. But to see the strength close by the end of the week, if you're a producer, you got to be happy. What are you seeing as some of the market movers? As we look at soybeans, for example, we saw such a struggle a week ago and they kind of regained some confidence in the trade. Right, Susan. So a week ago, the market was trying to anticipate what the USDA was going to say on this report. And uh, the expectation was that we would see the USDA reduce uh, soybean for export, uh, but they were expecting the USDA to drop the export demand more than they did. So that was one thing that the trade overdid to the downside on, on values. The other thing the trade was looking for was for the USDA to raise the yield uh, as much to 52 to 52 plus bushels per acre. And instead, the USDA dropped it 0.3 bushels per acre to 51.2. So we had priced in more negativity than what the USDA gave us. Uh, that allowed for a very quick short covering rally. And so here we are. This market's been in a downward trending channel. Uh, we've been in this downward trending channel since the contract highs were made in June. And we we're able to finish the week right at the upper end of the channel. So any additional strength to the upside is going to take out these long term downtrends. Well, as we look at uh, the purchases from China, and I got to give a big shout out and thank you to the Nebraska Soybean Board and their soybean farmers and their checkoff dollars who are bringing us this report, makes us look at what's been happening with China and their appetite for beans. They're not making many purchases from the U.S. right now. They haven't been making a lot of purchase, purchases, but what may be changing the, the, the dynamic a little bit is it was a power situation. They were not getting the energy they needed to run their processors. There are reports today that the processors are being turned back on, Susan, and the code silently. We're hearing rumors that maybe up to 10 cargos of beans were purchased by the Chinese today. So maybe that's a good sign that the demand is going to start picking up. But South America's crop, I mean, I saw pictures just last week, and then this bean crop is flowering, and it looks amazing. It is. Uh, there's really not a, a concern about Brazilian weather at this point. Uh, that can obviously change between now and when we get to harvest. Uh, but at this stage, we've got a crop that looks like it's going to be every bit of 143 to 144 million tons. Uh, a portion of that will be available a little bit earlier than normal because we did get the, the crop planted a little earlier. So some might be available for export as early as late December. 
but uh, you know, you go back to the USDA report, and maybe the the Chinese were kind of waiting to see how the yield would evolve, thinking that uh, we would see yield go up, uh, much like we've heard really good reports from producers of, of record yields. And so maybe that reduction in yield might be a, enough to get the Chinese to come back in. And as Jim had mentioned, with the processing facilities getting power, you've got two things that could bring the Chinese back in and start buying some soybeans here uh, to bridge that gap between now and the, the Brazilian harvest. So what was going on with China, Jim, making purchases of corn from the Ukraine? Well, that's kind of interesting. They did buy a couple cargoes of corn from the Ukraine, and the Ukrainians actually sold it at a higher price than us for the American producers. And that had a lot of people scratching their head. We believe a lot of it has to do with more like politics going on. We know that the Ukrainians had bought some that gas from the Chinese. So we think this is kind of almost like a barter deal, a little bit of political deal. You buy our nat gas, we'll buy your corn. So uh, we think in the long run, though, the odds are China will probably have to come in and buy corn. Their prices do continue to rally as they're having delayed harvest. So I think you have to be a little bit optimistic. Eventually, we will see more China corn purchases. Well, I heard, too, that there's um, China has been talking about doing some stockpiling. Uh, that seems a little unusual for them to be telling their people to stockpile. Makes you wonder what's brewing over there. Yeah. Well, right now, yeah, I think that's exactly what's growing. I mean, what it tells me is they're worried about food inflation. If you, you know, you cannot turn on the TV and not hear people talk about the cost of food. It's not just happening here; it's happening around the world. I think the Chinese are worried about it, and that also tells me that crop is probably not as big as they're trying to let the world think it is. So, I think that's also another reason why to expect China to eventually come in and buy more U.S. corn. Well, Brian, you were talking about this report that came out from the USDA. We're not going to see another numbers really that finalizing everything till January. So it gives us a little bit of a playtime with these USDA numbers and the what ifs before January. Right, Susan. So typically the December WASDE report is a rehash of the November data. Um, it's not very common to see the USDA make changes to either the production or the demand side of the balance sheets for December. So as you had said, we're likely to be operating off of these numbers until the final numbers that we get, uh, the final production numbers in January are going to be quarterly stocks, winter wheat seedings. And so what that means is the market's going to be really left to its own devices here. We're going to be trading technicals a little bit harder. Uh, the market's going to probably be a little bit jumpier if we take out support or resistance. Um, we're going to be focusing on what's going on in the cash market a little bit more for more direction. Uh, so, yeah, the, the market's got to have uh, a little bit of, of its own intuition here over the next two months as we wait for actual USDA data again in January. You talk about those technicals. What are some things that our growers need to be keeping an eye out for? I would say in soybeans, we'll attack that first. Uh, we are still operating under the downward trending channel. Uh, I would say that right now we have a high that uh, the January soybeans made early in the month at 1261. We made that high before rolling over into the report. So one thing I'd be watching for is a breach of the 1250 area in the short term. If we take that out, we're going to take out some downtrend lines. And if we do start making new highs for the month, we're going to have a, re a reversal month higher. Um, on the core market, I think when you look at the, the monthly charts, uh, a move above 590 on a front month basis is going to look like a breakout to the upside. So uh, early in the month, we went and tested the long-term downtrend on corn. That would be from the highs made in May to the highs made in June. That's where we failed at the 586 level in the December contract last week. If we can get through that downtrend line and, and take out 590, that monthly chart looks a lot different. And then we're going to start talking some of these longer term targets of going back up towards 750. Well, as we continue here at the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, Jim, 
guys are talking about basis in the month of December. Is this something we need to closely be watching as we head towards New Year? Well, I think what you're looking at on the basis side of the equation, Susan, is it's a lot better than it normally is for this time of year. And I think that shows you, A, that, you know, the crop, I think, is maybe a little bit smaller than people thought. But I think even last year's crop, there's still a question of how big last year's crop is. Around here in central Illinois, you're just not seeing the piles you normally would expect to see this time of year. So I think the basis will stay strong. The other thing, if you're a producer out there, there's two things that are going on that are driving it, at least on the domestic side. The ethanol margins are phenomenal is the best way to put it right now. If you have the luxury of selling grain, corn to an ethanol plant, you're probably going to get a very good push because right now the ethanol market's on fire, not just in the United States, but also in Europe. Then on the bean side of the equation, we have a crisis developing in meal. Specifically, what's going on is we're having a lysine shortage coming out of China. And since we're having that shortage out of China, they're ramping up the meal and the feed usage of hogs anywhere from 10 to 15 percent to offset that lack of lysine, which is driving the price of meal, which is keeping that meal crush rate at phenomenal rates, we believe, which should keep the basis at meal processors uh, hot as well. What about for the dollar as we fin get ready to finish out this year? Yeah, that's been, I think, the one surprise here, Susan, is that uh, with all of the uh, the spending bills that we've seen and uh, the general thought of uh, the, uh, the the weakness that we should see in the dollar index because of that, uh, a lot of the, the spec money has been short the U.S. dollar. It's been a very crowded trade, and the market has actually gone up and has made new highs for the move here this week. So uh, the market has been in an uptrend since May in the U.S. dollar, and uh, it's probably one of those things where, although we are experiencing inflation, um, we're going to be the best house in a bad neighborhood. So I, I know the market today was talking about uh, the, the level of the U.S. dollar versus the Turkish lira. And that made some new highs up to 110. And that's a, a really lofty level. So it's not just about the U.S. dollar. It's the, the dollar's a measurement of a basket of other currencies. And so uh, we're seeing some strength there. And, and the nice thing is the grain markets are rallying despite the strength of the dollar. And you look at that from a, from a livestock perspective. I mean, global demand is continuing to be there for the proteins. We heard that during this meeting here in, in California. There's just a push for more and more. And the dollar is going to play a big role in that. It will. I mean, if you look at the cattle sales, uh, beef sales that went out today, today's export number, we're at record pace. We've never sold so much beef out there. China is a big buyer of our beef. And that is that's something we need to keep an eye on. As the dollar does get more expensive, it does make our product a little bit less competitive. But like Ryan said, the dollar is breaking out, yet the demand is there. The reality is the world is very fearful of food prices going higher. And it's a it's almost like a mentality. Buy it now cheaper than I'm going to pay for it next week. So we're seeing a little bit of hoarding, which is good if you're an exporter. So real quick, I'm curious, you talk exports, what are you guys hearing when it comes to port movement and, and the struggles that continue there? Oh, you're, well, right now, I would say the biggest problem is going to be China. The China's just not buying the pork like we think. If it wasn't for the Mexican purchases, we'd be in a really world of hurt. But uh, you know, I think in general, China, you're probably going to see some pork purchases. It's probably going to be more of the take hotels of the cattle. But like I said, in general, I think this inflationary aspect of food is kind of kind of be a rising tides lift all commodity ship. And I think the pork will get a little bit of lift from that. Yeah, all right. And we'll to take back on that, what Jim just said, uh, I, I think we had mentioned the idea that the Chinese have been told to, to go ahead and make sure they have certain items to last them through the winter. And pork is one of those items. So I think we might see a, a run on, on pork supplies in China that will then trickle to additional exports from the U.S. Uh, in the months to come. All right. Well, thank you so much to both of you joining us this week.
This has been the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.